comes marching home again. Hurrah, hurrah, we'll give him a hearty welcome then. Hurrah, hurrah, oh, the men will cheer, the boys will shout, the ladies, they will all turn out and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. Get ready for the jubilee. Hurrah, hurrah. We'll give the hero three times three, hurrah, hurrah! For the war of Reed is ready now to place upon his loyal brow And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of The Lions Led by Donkeys! Nick's here again, yes. two whole episodes yes. in a row! fuck yeah! Someone mm. mark that in a fucking calendar, because I can't remember the last time that happened I'm really hoping it stays like that. It won't. It, it won't. <laughs> um, so, do you know what time it is? What time's that? Modelo time. Yeah, we're drinking Modelo because we have no old crew, and it's slightly colder than room temperature. It's not good. It's yeah, not good. It's all right. Yeah, we've had worse, like the Hague episode we did. What did we drink then? Uh, room temperature Newcastle. Oh right, we're trying to get in the mood. Yeah, we're trying to be as British <laughs> as we could. Um. So for everybody who is not aware, uh, Nick, I don't know if you're aware of this, April is Confederate History I Month. I am. And that is more than just a, uh, a really dumb t- Twitter hashtag that like pretty much anybody with a functioning brain likes to dunk on constantly. It is actually a legislative, like it's a law in, in seven fucking U.S. states. It's a real month it's a thing there's even a confederate memorial day in some of these places really yes which i i assume um in these confederate memorial day marches uh it's gonna be confederate veterans and then like right behind them is gonna be john walker lind (laughs) and then the americans who volunteered to fight for isis (laughs) (laughs) um so like i said it's enshrined in seven whole fucking states um and in case you thought this is like a like a so a lot of people argue about Confederate statues, um, but they leave out that small fact that most Confederate statues are actually relatively recent, like the last couple decades. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, most people put them in, um, effectively telling black people to shut the fuck up. Like, long Ooh. story short, there's gonna be a lot of people who disagree with me on that, but I don't care. Um, this is kind of the same thing. Um, this only became a thing as recently as like 1999. Wow. Um, so, for instance, Georgia made a holiday in 2009, Texas in 1999, and Virginia in 2010 for a second time. There was a gap. <laughs> a second time? A second time. Uh, Alabama made a holiday in 2010, and they at least actually had the decency to put like a little asterisk and point out that, yes, slavery had something to do with the war and slavery is bad. So, for the first time in my life, I will say, Good for you, Alabama. Uh, Roll Tide. tide. (laughs) Yeah. Spell Alabama. A. Roll Tide. tide. (laughs) Fuck. Um, So, all of these states chose to honor traitors and the history of those traitors who fought for a nation that nobody ever recognized. Say what you will about the Taliban, but at least a couple people actually recognize them as the government of a country. So, Taliban 1, CSA 0. Oh, fuck. Nick just opened a Modelo with his teeth. That worked. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How uh, else was I supposed to do it? Bang good, it on our desk? Good news. Our, uh, our podcast that has a dental plan. 
So that's good. Uh, uh, I have free, so I'm all right. <laughs> it's free fitty. So in honor of Confederate History Month, because we are a history podcast, uh, we'll be talking about one of their greatest crimes during the Civil War. Andersonville Confe- Prison. Oh, okay. Andersonville Prison. Uh, so the prison, which would be only open for a scant 14 months, would kill so many people that came through its gate, said its kill-death ratio belongs more in a Nazi death camp than Jeez. any POW camp. I was about to say 14 months. Oh, that's not 14 bad. 14 months. And then, that is literally less than one of my deployments. Yeah. <laughs> then you threw on the deaths. Yeah. It, it's bad. All right. Um, now. Is it can, a working camp or? No. Okay. Um, it is purely a POW camp, which is a fairly new concept at the time. Okay. Um, as we've talked about before in past episodes and maybe in off the cuff remarks, back in the day, most prisoners were just exchanged um, because everybody wants their soldiers back. Right. Or in the day of the nights, people just got ransomed because they're <laughs> worth money. Um, now, it's not quite the case. And there's a reason for that, which we'll get to. Um, so the construction of Andersonville Prison, who, which actual name was Camp Sumter, uh, but we'll call it by its more well-known name, Andersonville, uh, began in 1864. The decision to build this large prison camp in the area was because uh, there's multiple battles near uh, Richmond, Virginia at right. the time, which produced thousands and thousands and thousands of Union prisoners. And the Confederates had no fucking idea what to do with them all. Um, these were pretty large battles that I'm sure some people have heard of. Battles like the Wilderness, Spotsylvania Courthouse, Cold Harbor, uh, just to name a few. Uh, Virginia saw some shit during the Civil War, which kind of explains why it's so fucked up now, I guess. Do they have statues? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I knew it. Uh, it gets worse than that, um, which is how we'll end our episode because no, our episodes cannot end on a good note. They never do. No. Uh, so at one point, there's actually so many POWs in Richmond that one in every five people in the city was a Union POW. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The sun's skyrocketing number of prisoners is also due to the war's prisoner exchange system completely collapsing, mostly on the fault of the South. Um, the South refused to return black soldiers or their white officers. The South had a nasty habit of just shooting black soldiers uh, who surrendered, uh, which you can imagine pissed off the Union. Did it? It did. And okay. Was now, it just due to numbers? Now, take this for what, what it's known, because historically, Lincoln was a racist, as, right. as most people, most white men were racists during the Civil War. I mean, even abolitionists didn't, most abolitionists did not see blacks and whites as equals. They just thought slavery was bad because Jesus wouldn't like it, like it was against their religion. <laughs> like, they're like, yes, they're subhuman, but it doesn't mean we should treat them like this, which I mean, not woke. <laughs> yeah, and this situation will take what we can get and this could have been a PR coup for if PR was a thing back then because Lincoln said quote the law of nation permits no distinction of color in the treatment of prisoners of war if the confederacy executes a union soldier the union will retaliate in kind if the confederacy enslaves a union soldier which they did a confederate prisoner would be placed on hard labor now this could have been to spur more recruitment among black Americans uh, or it could be because maybe Lincoln realized letting some Union soldiers get shot and others is not a good idea. I can see the PR thing. I yeah. could see Lincoln with a PR. I mean, the Emancipation Proclamation only freed 
slaves in the states that were in rebellion. Yeah. So <laughs> remember, Abe, Abe we he, need to do this. We'll get 5% increase. Let's go. Like he's, like, he wasn't an abolitionist it. as much as he was a pragmatist. Like he knew it was a good idea. Um, now, if you remember in the 1800s, especially in the genteel South, uh, as people like to put it, the, the quote unquote honorable people of the South, uh, and mostly like in, in the old days, this is how war was fought. While war is supposed to be honorable and, and it's supposed to be a sign of manhood. Um, so this had uh, like equating the military service with manhood, uh, as some people do, especially back then. So the South treated black POWs the same. Uh, so if they had to, if they were forced to treat black POWs the same as white POWs, that'd be tantamount as treating them as people. Therefore, God forbid, implicitly accepting the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation. Um, that's not my opinion. That's the opinion of a historian who I researched for this. It makes sense to me, which is why I included it. Um, because now, as we'll talk about, Union white Union POWs did not have a good time either, but they at least made it to a prison camp. Most black POWs did not. They were shot. Which is the execution style? Uh, normally just, yeah, or oh. beaten to death or put back into slavery. Um, it was actually ins- enshrined into Confederate law that no black POWs would be treated as POWs. Yeah. Not- they have a month. They have a month in Jesus. seven whole states. Yeah. And it's not like a month of like reflection and like, how did we end up here? And <laughs> oh, dear God, we fought a war over owning people as property. It's no, my great great grandfather was a good person. You know what? If you surround yourself with assholes, it's a good chance. You're an asshole. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, dude. Um, Really, the best thing you could hope for as a black union POW was that they just put you back in slavery and then you just hope the North won so you'd be free again, (laughs) which is like the worst possible best case scenario. It really is. And I still, I don't know why it always comes up in my head is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Keen Peel. Yes. Have you seen the skit with Harriet Tubman? No. So there's a skit where she... uh, uh, Goes to one of the uh, uh, slave areas, whatnot. Mm-hmm. She says, "All right, follow me," and she starts fucking parkouring like out of there. And it says, "Harriet Tubman, in loving memory, the first free runner." <laughs> and I was like, "God damn it!" And all I picture her now is just parkouring out of the south. So if they do put like her on money, you're gonna just be like, "God damn, it's the first parkour one." <laughs> Because all I see now is just her parkouring. Way to go, Keen Peel. You've ruined Nick's mind. <laughs> all I could see is parkouring. That's now. all right. Now, whenever I think about uh, the plot to, to kill Hitler, I just think of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to watch that yes, movie. Yes, God damn we, it. Yeah, we will. Um, so the prison that they built was little more than an open air cage. At first, it would cover 16 acres of land. Eventually, uh, would, that would be bumped up to 26 because of population. And it was enclosed with a 15-foot-high stockade wall. They built it around a small stream, which, in theory, like, oh, cool, they get fresh water. Yeah. We won't have to supply it. Yeah, it doesn't work out quite that well, which we'll talk about. Um, they pollute it themselves. Uh, I feel so- like they would do something like that. It's, it, there's more to it. Uh, so high up on mm. the walls, there's guard towers where armed soldiers would be stationed, each about 30 yards apart from the other. <coughs> Just underneath those towers, and extending a full 19 feet back into the camp, was known as the deadline. Now, the deadline. <laughs> the deadline 
uh, was a demar- was demarcated with a small fence, and anybody who attempted to cross that fence was immediately shot. That's the gun line. Yeah, it's, it is the gun That's line. That's the gun line, boss. Um, which great movie. Okay. Obviously, that was made into movies, and this is not a um, a special uh, aspect of Andersonville. A lot of people when they talk about Andersonville, they're like, "Oh, but they had the deadline." Union POW camps also had a deadline. It was how they controlled people. Yeah. Maybe they didn't use it as judiciously as Andersonville did because there's stories um, because Union POWs wrote a lot of notes about Andersonville. And some of them said, because these guys are, were in a, in a bad place and the Confederate soldiers would throw like hardtack biscuits across the deadline and see who was willing to risk it. Wow. And this isn't like if you crossed the deadline and you made it back across without getting shot, you were good to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, still- I made it back. I'm great. <laughs> yeah. You'd shield still, you'd still get fucking capped so i mean I, I, there's numerous stories of awful shit like that happening i don't know why but i feel like if i was there i'd definitely cross the line a lot of people did yeah and there is no confirmed accounts of anybody escaping so your odds aren't in your favor mm. uh so there was a whole bunch of smaller prisons before uh, andersonville was finished and they were pretty bad as well like they were dank cellars, shitty prisons. Like the were they were as bad as prisons in eighteen hundreds could probably be. Um, so when one hundred Union prisoners escaped from the Richmond area, Confederate brass decided they just could not wait for Andersonville to be completed for construction, uh, and they immediately ordered prisoners to start being transported to the camp. So one problem at this point, there's actually no fucking buildings built for the prisoners. Right. There's no barracks. There's mm. no Whatever their version of uh, a tier would be is not constructed. The only thing built is admin buildings and lodging for the camp staff. What admin do they have at Andersonville? They have a camp commander. Uh, His subcommander is officers in charge of the guard, shit like that. Okay. Um, So there's nothing there. Like like I said, it's an open air pen. Um, So they would just just have to lay in the dirt. Uh, structures would actually so the plan would be we're going to move POWs in there and we'll, we'll we'll catch up we'll we'll build the buildings guess what never happened <laughs> not a Fucking single <laughs> barracks was ever built for the prisoners so when the first 400 prisoners were brought on the 9th of February 1864 they found an open field surrounded by a wall and little else the POWs were forced to make makeshift tents stitched together by blankets and lean-tos built out of scraps and woods and, uh, and little bits of sticks left behind. And a little shanty town. Kind of. Um, because any of their actual good supplies, because at this point in the war, the Confederates always have a supply problem from the beginning of the war to the end of the war. Right. So whenever they capture large amounts of POWs, the POWs might make it to the camp, but their supplies do not. Uh, their, their tents, their blankets, backpack, everything's fucking taken from them to be pressed right back into service. So these guys don't have shit. Um, and thankfully, uh, since Andersonville was built, but with what else slave labor, the slaves left all sorts of bits and pieces of wood left behind because they're not professional construction workers. Right. You use slave labor, you get slave labor product. Uh, so they were able to build something out of that. Um, I'd build a dope ass fucking house. You think that? Um, I feel like I'm handy enough. I'm pretty handy. So you would think like, um, well, we understand this camp isn't really a camp quite yet. So we're we're not going to bring tons of people here. Hundreds of POWs arrived every single day by train. I would house them in what? 
the house that I built. <laughs> Nick's house. I'm pretty handy, as I say. I mean, I think I'm handy, but I'm probably like really shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, handy enough to put a lean to together, some sticks. I don't. I'd I'd already probably have fucking died. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just get collapsed on you. <laughs> oh fuck! Does anybody need a book written? Kill him! Kill the nerd! <laughs> Is he Armenian? No, that genocide hasn't happened yet. I'm still good. No, but they they know. <laughs> they know the one they Turkish know. Confederate yeah, president. They know. Shoot that man. So by May of the same year, only four months later, remember, we started with 400. The camp now had 10,000 prisoners. Oh, fuck. And just so happened that 10,000 was its peak capacity. That's, a, that's more zeros than 400. The trains did not stop coming. Trains. Hundreds Holy of prisoners. Fuck. Yeah. That May, a sergeant major from the 16th Regiment of Connecticut Volunteers, a guy named Robert Kellogg, arrived at the camp. <laughs> not that Kellogg. Dude, well, did he come up with cereal after the war? No, no. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know, but probably not. That's, he's not that Kellogg. Uh, <laughs> you don't know, though. So, so uh, Sergeant Major Kellogg, when he <laughs> arrived at the camp, said uh, he saw, quote, as we entered the place, a spectacle met our eyes that froze our blood with horror and made our hearts fail within us. Before us were forms that had once been stalwart men, were now nothing but mere walking skeletons covered in filth and vermin. Many of our men, in the heat and intensity of their feelings, exclaimed with earnestness, Can this be hell? And may God protect us. And then they asked for cereal afterwards. And all thought that he could be, uh, bring them out alive such a terrible place. In the center of the hole was a swamp, occupying three or four acres that narrowed limits. And a part of his marshy place had been used as the prisoners as a sink and excrement covered the ground, the scent arising from which was suffocating. The ground allotted to our 90 was near the edge of this plague spot. And how we were to live through the warm summer weather in the midst of such fearful, fearful surroundings was more than we cared to think just then, end quote. Which brings us to the camp's conditions. Don't sound too good. Not good. Yeah. Almost, off, just off that little bit. <clears throat> Almost immediately, the Confederate government was overwhelmed with the amount of people in their custody. Uh, by the stage of the war, uh, for not just Southern civilians, but for the Confederate Army, we're, we're suffering bad from lack just of food, plain old food, right. let, let alone clothing and everything else. Um, they were not set up for war, it turns out. Probably shouldn't have started it. Um at this point, the pre- I mean, you have to think like if you're at the, the hierarchy of where the Confederate supplies end up, where do prisoners add up? Maybe they probably are honestly below slaves because the prisoners aren't doing anything for the war effort. What are they doing? Are they just they're just, they're just sitting there. there? Yeah, they're just they're there just sitting there for sitting. Well, I mean, you you have ten thousand people in custody. You let them go back to the north, then you, the north has ten thousand more soldiers. Yeah. So they're just going to sit there until the war's over or until the exchanges pick back up, which so far they have not. Um, so by this time of the war, a daily ration for a prisoner was a teaspoon of salt, three teaspoons of beans, and a half pint of unsifted cornmeal. What? Yep. Well, daily. Daily. Just it's, one. Just one. It's to get for Holy the whole fuck. fucking day. First of all, salt? Salt. All right. I guess if you're starving, salt helps. Yeah, uh, I uh, mean, three teaspoons of beans. Of beans. And how much of cornmeal? Half pint. 
Why do you get more cornmeal? Because you can make like a pancake out of it. Well, in theory, because they couldn't. What? <laughs> uh, so normally you need these things to cook. Exactly. Um, so firewood was not allowed inside the camp, even though they were surrounded by the woods. <laughs> uh, nor were they allowed to use any utensils. This meant that it was nearly impossible for the POWs to actually eat the food that they were given. So they just held their hand out and they just got thrown all into their hand. Like I mean, I guess you could just eat raw cornmeal. I mean, I guess. You could eat boots if you have to. It doesn't mean it's a good fucking idea. That's true. Um, I wonder if it would depend on the boot if it was good. Uh, Civil War boots. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> One major problem with that diet that I just listed to you. What is missing from it? Besides everything. I was just about to say Vitamin everything. C. Okay. What happens if you don't get vitamin C? Ooh. You get fucking scurvy. Yeah. You get scurvy real fucking bad. Uh, so scurvy makes you bleed out of your mouth, lose your teeth, and eventually die for people who are not aware. Yeah. Uh, it also caused a very special kind of terrible known as scorbutic dysentery, which made you literally shit blood until you die. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. That sounds... And talking about dysentery, you are a food service specialist. Right. You, you get dysentery from fecal matter. Yeah. Polluting your food, which brings us to the stream. So, oh, fuck. That's that, fucked up. So that stream. Now imagine tens of thousands of people. We're, we're north of 10,000 people at this point. In a space of around six football fields, all using what amounts to a fucking babbling brook for all their water needs. Drinking, cooking, cleaning, washing themselves. It's bad, right? Yeah. Now imagine you have to take shit. You've been in the field. I've been in the field. There's no toilets anywhere, so you dig a hole. As any soldier who's ever been in the field has dug a hole, take a shit in. It's part and parcel of soldiering, as you shit in the ground eventually at some point in your career. I've met people who haven't. uh, Well, whatever. This is the Civil War. They've all done it. That's true. But now, there's 20,000 people in in this space. You run out of places to dig. Now, everybody has horrible, bloody diarrhea. So, they're shitting constantly. Which is why Kellogg called the camp a swamp. It had literally been turned into a diseased, shit-filled swamp. Oh, it's a shit swamp. Everything is a shit swamp. To include their water. Did it rain this weekend? No, that's just their shit. They're just wallowing around their piss and shit. Oh, man, that's terrible. This caused an epidemic of typhoid fever and a very rare hookworm disease that swept through the camp and killed everybody <laughs> fuck at, at this point that so they, the guards are the how are they how are their living conditions I, they're not good either like okay. the, the the camp guards i mean they're living around this diseased cesspool yeah and they're eating slightly better and they're not sleeping in their own shit they get four teaspoons of beans <laughs> that's right you know what? i'll even spot you another pint of fucking cornmeal you know what <laughs> it's really weird to measure a cor- measure cornmeal in a pint it is. It's not beer. Yeah. Um, Let me get a pint of your finest. Yeah. And like, so say you find a puddle of semi-clean water and you want to wash yourself. Guess what? You have any fucking clothes because the Confederates don't give you any new clothes ever. Oh, man. So whatever you showed up with on your back is the only uniform you've been wearing for months, if not years at this point. Right. Um, meeting some of these guys, like, like for instance, the, the longest... Union POW was in Confederate custody for over 600 days. 
fuck. Yeah. Uh, clothes were literally rotting off people's backs. And it was cold. They have to sleep outside. Winter happens. Remember, this camp opened in right. fucking February. Oh, that sucks. So as soon as someone dropped dead, people stole everything off of them. People know like they didn't even wait for them to get cold before they stole everything clean off and then chucked his body into a pit. Speaking of yeah. looting, um, now, we in the U.S. Army now, we have defined rules that we have to technically follow in the case you're in a POW camp. You follow rank, you follow regulation, everything like that. Um, not to mention, generally thinking, we would like to believe we are surrounded by civilized people who would not devolve into a diseased horde of humans if you, we were put in a, a hardship. That kind of thin grasp on society really got put to the test at Andersonville. Uh, POW camps, like I said, were new. People weren't really sure what to do with them or, you know, how to run them. Right. Modern ideas like military police to run the camps and keep prisoners safe simply did not exist. Uh, so the Confederates would just shove these dudes into this, gr- into this open pit and just leave them alone. No supervision. Now imagine a small city Mm. of the desperately poor and hungry numbering in about 33,000 at this point with no law enforcement. What's the space that Andersonville? About six football fields. That's not a lot for (laughs) 33,000. No. That's like some Tokyo level population count. (laughs) Um, Now factor uh, factor in disease, starvation, lack of shelter. All without any kind of anybody keeping the peace, and you start to see the Confederates kind of sort of creating an apocalyptic dystopia. Historians note that the concept of society fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, people with friends or with unit, like, so whole units would get thrown to the camp, but because you don't have sergeants and officers keeping everybody in line, some people, if you didn't like them, they kind of got cast out. Statistically speaking, Almost 100% of the time, if you did not have any friends and you were a loner, you did not survive Andersonville. Flat out. You died. Um, Only people who formed uh, some kind of bond or a group dynamic would survive. Um, But that did not mean there was not predators there. One of those groups call themselves the Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders of Andersonville. They literally called themselves that. Wow, that sounds really familiar. Holy shit. So... Raiders decided, yes, our existence sucks, but we can make it better by preying on our fellow prisoners. Mm. The Raiders worked in small groups, and they would terrorize their fellow prisoners. They would trick new prisoners who showed up into giving them what little they had, thinking they were friends. And if that didn't work, they would just fucking rob them. If you fought them off, you would be beaten or killed. Jesus. They would scope out prisoners who might have valuable stashed away, whether it be like a necklace, a wedding band, something. A utensil. Anything. Anything of of worth. And they would steal it and sell it to the guards to try to get food. Um, If you fought back, you would die. Though, sometimes you'd put up enough resistance, people started to note that if you really, really fought hard, they'd leave you alone. Like, one guy brained a raider with a fucking shovel, and he got left alone. (laughs) Where do you get a shovel? Which brings me to the weapons. (laughs) The raiders had axes and knives. What? How? <laughs> what? <laughs> they probably bought them from the guards. How? I won't. <sighs> now remember, think of how thin that little string of existence is. What little has to be taken away from someone before they're going to die? 
Sometimes it could mean just missing a meal or taking a shelter or a blanket. Because of the conditions in Andersonville, stealing from someone, as nobody really had much of anything, could very well mean they die. Right. Um, eventually, this happened enough where prisoners got together to form their own defense units, and they dubbed themselves the Regulators. Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah, dude. These, <laughs> these started as squads, platoons, and then later whole companies of soldiers oh, who would band together. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. They even had like little call words that if they got attacked in the middle of the night, they'd be like, Ski! Like, <laughs> and, like everybody would show up and beat the fuck out of the raiders. <laughs> Help. That's not the word. Send up the fuck. bat signal. Fuck. <laughs> we didn't change our safe word this week. Pineapples. Pineapples. Uh, not only did these regulators beat the fuck out of the raiders and send them running on a lot of occasions, they eventually created a full-on court with judges and juries. With Holy shit. This is like hearts war. With full approval of the camp's commander. It's like Hearts War. Because the camp's commander wasn't doing shit about anything. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Make your own court. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, Eating a whole bowl of beans <laughs> like an asshole. Yeah. I'm going to have six <laughs> teaspoons, <laughs> yeah. you Yankee bitch. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He gets his. Oh, does he? Oh, yes. Nice. Uh, so, as you can imagine, any judge and jury, they also acted as a executioner and they started lynching the raiders like fucking crazy <laughs> how they literally built gallows and strung them up in the middle of the camp hey uh i know this whole like lynch mob is really cool and all but uh i don't have a shelter still yeah i see we you gotta use it for the gallow yeah i see you got a whole bunch of wood to hang the bill over there can i have a roof <laughs> yeah shut up chet or you're next. <laughs> or you're also a raider. Now, I mean, I say they kind of acted as executioners, and, and they did. Uh, but, and most, and a lot of people argue that the raiders didn't get a, a fair trial, but also there's like tons of evidence because uh, the raiders are really well fed. <laughs> like, where are you getting your food, dude? Assholes. Uh, Andersonville was so fucking bad that uh, one of the raiders got drug off to the gallows. Uh, a guy named Delaney is the only thing his name's written down. And he was uh, quoted as saying, fuck it, I'd rather die than live here. <laughs> You're doing me a favor. I enjoy this. Yeah, fuck it, lynch me. This shit sucks. <laughs> so by August that same year, a full 33,000 prisoners had been shoved into Andersonville. If Andersonville had been a city and an actual municipality, it would have been the fifth largest city in the entire Holy Confederacy. shit. Disease, violence, and just living had killed so many people to this point, and prisoners were dropping dead at a rate of about a le- one per 11 minutes. Holy fuck. So, 90% of all prisoners weighed below 100 pounds. Life was described by S- Sergeant Samuel Corthel of the 4th Massachusetts Cavalry as, quote, the camp was covered with vermin all over. You cannot sit down anywhere. You might go and pick the lice all off you, then sit down for half a moment and get up and be covered with them again. In between these two hills, it was very swampy, all black mud, where the filth was emptied and it was all alive, where there was a regular buzz all the time, and it was covered with large white maggots. You're literally living in a maggot pit. Yeah. Thankful, 
Uh, thankfully for the surviving prisoners who had not managed to keel over and die or be murdered at this point by their fellow prisoner, Union General Tecumseh Sherman captured Atlanta in September of 1864, forcing the Confederates to evacuate most of the camp. Um, they spread the prisoners out. They kept the, it was definitely, there's definitely was not 33,000 people there and life was still miserable, but it got markedly better. And it was finally liberated in May of the next year. So, and only 14 months of operation, 45,000 Union prisoners were held within Andersonville prison. Holy fuck. 13,000 died. Or a full 28% of people who walked through the gates of the prison never left. Wow. Andersonville only held 10% of all of the POWs on either side of the Civil War combined. But they killed double that amount. They, they they held about 10%. They killed about 20% yeah. of all POWs of the war. Jesus. Now, when the war was over, Camp Commander Captain Henry Wurz, or Wurz, was actually, uh, so funny story here. He was actually a Swiss immigrant. Really? His birth name, Heinrich Hartmann Wurz. What? Uh, I guess with a name like that, running a death camp just comes naturally. Yeah. <laughs> In the blood. Yeah, he was uh, arrested by Union forces. Oh, he gets it, right? So, a military tribunal took place between August 23rd and October 18th, 1865. And he was charged with, quote, to injure the health and destroy the lives of soldiers in the military service of the United States, then held and being prisoners of war within the lines of the so-called Confederate states and in the military prisons thereof. To the end that the armies of the United States might be weakened or impaired in violation of the laws of war. And, quote, to impair and injure the health and destroy the lives by subjugating to torture and great suffering, by confining in unhealthy and unwholesome quarters, by exposing uh, them to the inclemency of weather and the dews and burning suns of summer, by compelling the use of impure water and by furnishing insufficient and unwholesome food of large numbers of federal prisoners, the law of customs and war. And they made all that up. Like, no, these were actually against the law at the okay. time. Yeah, I feel and, like it. And, you know, there's, um, not saying he didn't, I mean, he is a moral outrage for sure. And there's actually a, um, kind of a urban legend, a historical falsehood, uh, that Henry Wurz was the only person ever charged with war crimes during the Civil War. And that is not true. Uh, there's a couple people. Most of them were Confederate guerrillas. Mm, okay. Uh, like, but, not many like this dude was just a captain in the confederate army so not many people like him yeah i imagine 158 witnesses testified against him the witnesses admitted they never saw words kill anybody uh but he certainly ordered his soldiers to shoot plenty of people um he also joined in beating them and pistol whipping them with a sidearm there's even accounts of him ordering dogs to attack helpless prisoners fuck uh there's actually a a weird element to this. One of the guys who took the stand was definitely not actually a Union soldier. This <laughs> is just a random dude. Hey, he doesn't even go here. It was like, like it, it was a guy who claimed girls. that he was related to the French aristocracy and joined the Union Army, but like nobody in the witness stand remembered him, and there was no actual evidence that he was ever in the army. <laughs> which means, ready for it, stolen valor. <laughs> 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 no, I just get the whole Mean Girls in the back of my head. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> I want to know, like, 
how what kind of vetting do they do these witnesses? Were you in the Union Army? Yeah, sure. All right, come on in. I wonder if he was just walking down the where they're holding the trial, and they're like, "All witnesses, come forward." He's like, "All right, fuck yeah, it, fuck it, I could witness them." Yeah, uh, which gets a little bit more interesting. Now, a lot of people don't think this is Wurz's fault, and so there's evidence that Wurz sent messages to Confederate higher command saying, "Please, for the love of God, give me more rations. People are dying." But there's also people who said that the overall Confederate plan for their POW camps was to weaken these people so much that uh, if a prisoner exchange did start back up, they would be useless to the Union Army. Right. And there's a good reason to believe that. Um, For instance, if you look up pretty much any picture of Andersonville Prison, which I will do for Nick here, um, you get a picture that looks like it is out of place historically. Um, and that is because they look like Holocaust survivors. And that's that's something that you just don't see. For instance, what does this look like to you? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, explain what I just showed you. Uh, honestly. And I should remind you, these men are alive. Yeah. It's not far off looking like a Holocaust. It's really not. They don't look like Holocaust survivors as much as they look like the bodies that they, the Nazis had piled up. Right. Like, and to get to that point, the Nazis did that on purpose. Now, I'm willing to give Wurz enough of a, of a gimme to be like, he probably was just following orders. And there wasn't a set conduct at the time. So he's breaking laws that didn't exist. Right. But if you, if you measure him against, I don't know, human fucking decency. Right. It's bad. Yeah. Where's this found guilty and sentenced to hang? Nice. Uh, while waiting for a sentence to be carried out, Wurz wrote a letter to president Andrew Jackson begging for clemency. Letter was never even opened. So did they use the gallows from the camp? I wish. No, he died at a, a federal prison in Washington, D.C. Ah. So, the night before his execution, his attorney came to him and told him that a high member of the U.S. cabinet told the attorney, in good faith, that if Wurz said he had been ordered to treat the prisoners like shit by Confederate President Jefferson Davis, his sentence would be committed. It would be commuted. Now, Wurz hung for his crimes, but Jefferson Davis, the Confederate president, was never punished for shit, which is questionable. Uh, it goes into Reconstruction, and you know, in my opinion, Reconstruction should have been fucking brutal. They should have literally strangled the Confederate ideas out of the South, in my opinion. And I know that's for sure. probably controversial, but I don't give a fuck. I mean, understandable. they should have made the flag illegal. They should have made any kind of statues to Confederate people illegal. Um, they should have strung up Robert E. Lee. They should have strung up uh, President Jefferson Davis still support this and nobody will ever prove that anyway, otherwise to me um, but Wurz refused he said no why he said quote I will never betray President Davis nor anybody which is a bit rich coming from a confederate veteran yeah <laughs> pot meat kettle <laughs> uh, so Wurz hung on November 10th 1865 in Washington, D.C. But wait, there's more! The hangman fucked up! His neck neck didn't break. 
So the crowd of around 200 people watched as Wurz writhed and fought against the rope as he slowly strangled to death. Go fuck yourself. So what is that? Uh, it has to do with the rope either being too short or too long. It has to do that. with where the knot is placed. Is it? Yes. Okay. So when you are hung by a professional hangman, uh, the knot or the coil of rope has to be positioned correctly for the long drop method or the short drop method for that matter to work and break your neck immediately. Um, there's multiple cases of this not working. Uh, and because a lot of people were being executed in the United States during this time, it is much more likely to think that the hangman, who was a federal soldier, fucked it up on purpose. I'd like to believe that. There's actually a, a lot of evidence that the uh, the hangman for the Nuremberg trials, who was a United States Army soldier, fucked it up on purpose. I can really <laughs> see that. I. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do your job, do your job the best you can. But if like there's going to be a guy who ran a death camp at the end of up, maybe move the knot three inches to the left. <laughs> Let him strangle. I don't know. He's going to yeah. die anyway. Yeah, there's a possibility it would have happened. Um, Like I said, none of our stories can end on a good note, like a Confederate dangling at the end of a rope. Oh, that wasn't. <laughs> no, that'd be a good note. Uh, uh-huh. So the sons of Confederate veterans. And the United Daughters of the Confederacy fucked up. I fucked up. managed to get enough donations to build a monument to Henry Words, built smack dab in the middle of Andersonville. Why? <laughs> What's their reasoning? Because <laughs> fuck them. That's why. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they believe that he was uh, his good name was tarnished. And if you look up the monument, it literally just kind of looks like a dick. <laughs> really yes it's just a brown dick which is ironic because he's a horrible racist I'm gonna that's look right this up and uh, so every year those two groups hold a memorial service for the dead bastard and in 1977 they awarded words the confederate medal of honor a medal that isn't real they definitely just made up <laughs> all right this is donations for the medal of honor what do we got we're so racist we're gonna invent a medal to give to people who ran a death camp for a racist cause <laughs> okay i lied i lied i will give everybody something to go out in a good note there is a union pow by the name of dorrance atwater who is uh one of the longest in captivity in the Union Army, who made it his duty that he gave to himself to record every prisoner who came into Andersonville and every prisoner who died. Wow. Um, Because of his hard work, out of the tens of thousands of people he watched die, there were only 460 who had to have their graves marked unknown soldier. Wow. Yeah. That's actually really cool That's that he would do that. Yeah, and he... uh, he did crazy. I don't even know how he managed it. And like, so another thing to point out how much of an asshole Wurz is, is um, Atwater went to him while he was at the camp and said, Hey, send these dispatches to the union. Like these people should know that their families were, you know, or these, their family should know that their, their loved ones had died or whatever. And he was like, no. Yeah. Henry Wurz, go fuck yourself. I'm glad you strangled slowly. Yeah. Fuck him. Happy Confederate when, History yeah, Month, everybody! When can we take down the statue? Uh, you know, another thing that pisses me off, because you may know a small base named after John Bell Hood. We were both yeah. stationed at it. A Confederate leader. 
that shit needs to be renamed. That that fucking post might as well be renamed fucking after Malik Hassan. Fuck Hood. Fuck the Confederacy. Fuck every base named after them. Fuck all their statues. And fuck every state that still has the Confederate flag in their state flag. You racist pieces of shit. What he said. <laughs> and I, I guess we're closing on a good note. Yeah, that was a good note. You know, and I was, you know, I talked a little bit about how I was shy of doing a Civil War episode before. Uh, and I ended up doing one with a guest while you were gone. Um, and a lot of people liked it. And he really enjoyed it. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I won't be so gun shy about the Civil War. I'm not going to go cover the fucking battle at Gettysburg anytime soon. But I'm more comfortable talking about it because no one's going to yell at me and say it that I, I talked about a Union jacket button being incorrect. God damn it. <laughs> With your fucking cosplay people. Um, I know. So thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning in this week. You can follow us on Twitter at lines underscore by. You know where you can find us. You probably already follow us anyway. If you want to support the show, support us uh, on Patreon. Even a dollar can not only get you all of our bonus content, it will get you into the commune discord we now have with Hellboy to Die. And it is kind of the fucking Thunderdome in there, and it's wild. I highly recommend you stop by. You have to wear clothes unless you're in Andersonville. Um, <laughs> Please donate if you can. I am really tired of getting rained on in the Joe's backyard. <laughs> One day we'll take you to a zoo, sir. One day. One day I'll get four tablespoons. Yeah, not yet. You still got to lose some weight. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's a really bad lead into clothes. Uh, our clothes have nothing to do with horrible slave labor camps. But if you, need, true. if you need a shirt, why not make it one of ours? I make them. <laughs> My my fingers hurt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Later.